Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, Trevor McDonald concludes the Holy Spirit-focused series, Redefining Ordinary, with a message titled, You Are Brand New. We are in a series, we are concluding this series, Redefining Ordinary. We have mixed a little bit of things up today. I hope you're okay with that. Uh, the worship team is going to come back up here in just a minute. Uh, I'm going to speak a message uh, closing out this series about the Holy Spirit. You know, I think the Holy Spirit um, is like one of those mysteries, and even Lauren was kind of saying this, where it's like, I don't really understand it all. And you know what? Here's, here's the truth about it. And if I were to go two sermons today, this would be my first mini-sermon. Are you ready? The Holy Spirit is unknowable and undefinable, and that's the beautiful part of the mystery of God. It's not a matter of like, well, if I were to, if I had the ability to define God and define the mysteries of God, then he would cease to be God. Thank you, Charmant, for the one amen in the room. <laughs> I think sometimes we can get up here and we can talk about the Holy Spirit as if like I know every single thing about him, it, they, but the truth is, even scripture tells us, oh God, you are unknowable, you are undefinable, you are so large and so great, and that's what compels me to pursue you, amen? And that's why we gather. There's this, these moments in, in scripture and these stories that we read, we're like, how did that happen? How did they figure those things out? I'm like, I don't even know if they truly figured it out. They just kept walking where they felt the Spirit was leading them. And I think in our own lives, we want to check off all the boxes so we can make a step of faith where God's like, why don't you just go ahead and take the step and I'll just be with you along the way. Amen? He is the unknowable, undefinable God. And I think we're able to look into scripture and see these different things about the Holy Spirit. And this series has been really interesting. Um, So I'm going to read. I'm going to get into this. uh, And then uh, I'll have the team come back up and we'll worship a bit longer together. Sound good? Okay, we are in the series. This is a, this is a conclusion. Uh, Redefining Ordinary about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. Let me set this up real quick. Um, so this is the second letter to the church in Corinth by uh, this man named Paul. Uh, Paul basically planted this church in Corinth. So he writes this letter in 1 Corinthians, kind of encouraged him. Things are going well. But then things kind of take a turn for the worse, and they don't go so well. Now the people are like, discrediting Paul and his ability to to teach and to lead them. Now they begin to put their hope into what Paul calls super apostles. These are like the really cool, great guys that are leading the church, and they kind of disregard what Paul had to say. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. You wouldn't have a church if it wasn't for me. This is Paul, okay? Paul Paul had some, some, some edges to him, but it's okay. Paul's great. We love Paul. So Paul's writing this letter, 2 Corinthians, his second letter, and he's reminding them of what Jesus did, who Jesus is, and what that looks like for them as followers in Jesus. So we're going to pick it up. Verse 14 says this. Okay, you ready? 2 Corinthians chapter, where am I? 5, 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Another word is basically for the love of Christ compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Here's a key verse. You ready? Verse 17. Therefore, I'm going to say therefore. Oh, man, we are alive and well at the 9 o'clock service. Therefore, if anyone, 
Who? Oh, no, 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 no. You're supposed to say, who? Anyone? Okay, we're, we're struggling today. This is Sunday school. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul says, anyone who is in Christ is a new person, brand new. The new has come. Old is gone. Amen? So today, I want to talk about this idea that you, me, you are brand new. You are brand new. Amen? Let me pray quick, and we'll get into this. God, thank you for this story. Thank you for uh, this, this opportunity to talk about your word and figure out uh, really who you are more and more each and every day. I thank you for the mysteries that you allow us to step into so we are compelled. The love of God, as your word says, compels us. It controls us to move forward in the direction of the thing that, God, you're calling us to. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would dwell in this space uh, this morning. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anybody in this room, and if you don't, it's fine. We won't judge you, but you love new things. You love new things. I think every hand should probably be up. Unless you don't like new things, it's whatever. Like, you're completely content. You're great. Everything's cool. You don't like, you know, when your car breaks down. You don't care about having a new car. You want a broke-down car. Thank you. I had to get a brand-new battery for my car because I uh, woke up early, went to the gym, got out to my car, pouring rain, car didn't start. My battery was dead, so I had to call my wife, Amy. I was like, hey, babe, uh, I know you're with the kids, and we got to take them to school in like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, but uh, I'm stuck. I need a new battery for my car. So yesterday, my father-in-law helped me out. I had to get a new battery for my car. I like new things because it helped my car operate the way it needed to operate. You feel me? We like maybe when you get something new. I don't know if you get a new house. It's nice to get a new house, unless, of course, it has a lot of problems, and you got to get a new roof. You get a new roof on the house, and you got new plumbing. You get new plumbing for that new house. Sometimes new things actually have problems. I'm discovering this as I'm talking out loud right now. Maybe we don't like new things. Huh. Should I, I should start the sermon all over again. But we like, there's new things. I know sometimes it's trivial, you know, when we're talking about this kind of stuff in our context, but we enjoy new stuff and new things. And maybe when someone gives you a new pair of shoes, it's nice when those new pair of shoes are on your feet until you wear them out and then they begin to smell. Like my kids' shoes, they smell. They smell because they wear them every single day. And it's hard to afford brand new shoes, you know, and, and they keep growing. You, did you guys know that kids just keep growing? They don't stop, which then your bank account goes low, but they keep getting taller. It's awesome. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, my son, my oldest son, Parker, uh, he's into uh, this game Fortnite, okay? Um, anybody into Fortnite in here? Just my son. Wow. Um, he's talking about like getting new, they call them skins. I don't get it, guys, okay? It's not my generation. I was raised on Nintendo. That was it. And Mario Brothers, thank you. We should have a series about it, for crying out loud. Um, But he wants like new skins, which he needs these things called V-Bucks. I think it's V-Bucks. So V-Bucks basically means, Dad, do you have any money? Uh, I need the money to get these new things for my new skins, for my new my players. So it's always like, I need something new. My, my, my kids are always like, we need a new toy. And I'm like, you just got something yesterday. And it's like, yeah, I know, but that's old. I need something new. We're always needing something new. And I think even in our own life, if we're really honest, we kind of have this concept of new. It's like, man, I can't wait till this year is over so we can get to the what? New year. I wish I could get a new job, Right? There's things in our life that we're like, man, it'd be nice to start over. And when I read this scripture in Corinthians, this idea of 
new person, new creation, new creature. I'm very intrigued by the word new because Jesus is telling us that you're a brand new person in Christ, right? This idea of new. Now, this idea of new, what, what does 2 Corinthians 5.17 have anything to do with the Holy Spirit? I'm glad all of you guys are asking me right now. I know you guys are all intrigued, just as much as I am. We look at John 14. We have read this verse, I think, a few times in this series. This is Jesus pre-death, pre-going to the cross. He's talking to his disciples. It's giving me on the screens. John 14 says this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace, I love that word peace, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 14, peace, this word peace is this word shalom, shalom meaning wholeness and completeness. Jesus is saying wholeness, completeness, peace. This is what I give to you. And then Jesus is betrayed and Jesus goes to, he's beaten and bruised and he's brought to the cross. He dies on the cross. And then what happens? He's raised from the dead three days later, the empty tomb. And then he meets his disciples again, pre or post-resurrection. John chapter 20, check this out on the screen. John chapter 20 says this. This is him coming back to his disciples. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side where he was pierced. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. There's that word again, right? Wholeness, shalom, completeness, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the what? The Holy Spirit. So Jesus comes to his disciples post-resurrection, meets them, somehow walks through walls because he's God, because the doors were locked, and he says, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Wholeness, completeness, shalom be with you and be on you. And then what does he do? He breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Where else in Scripture does God breathe on his creation? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. He breathed into this man named Adam. We know him as Adam in Hebrew, which simply means humanity. Look at this. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the what? Breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Y'all, this is amazing. And I want you to follow with me today. God breathes into humanity and there is life in Genesis chapter 2. And then John chapter 20, Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, breath and spirit in the Greek and the Hebrew are interchangeable. They are the exact same word. So Jesus breathing the Holy Spirit onto his disciples, he's breathing life onto them. Just like God breathed into Adam, humanity, he breathed life into creation. And then creation had a fall leading all the way up to the moment that Jesus resurrects from the dead. 
ascends into heaven, he breathes on them what? New life, wholeness, completeness, peace. This is why 2 Corinthians 5.17 is so important for you and I to understand. Because Paul is saying those who are in Christ, those who are in union with Jesus are what? A new creation. So we have back in Genesis, we have creation. We know the creation story, right? Right before God creates, we see this in Genesis chapter 1, 1, uh, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. It was chaotic and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then the spirit of God, or what? The breath of God, are you following? The breath of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God's spirit, God's breath was hovering over the chaos of the world. And then eventually he breathed into the nostrils of Adam, into humanity, into man. And now there is life in the lungs of humanity The fall takes place, and Jesus, right before he ascends, breathes the same breath onto his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Life in our lungs, breath, spirit. God now breathes into him and says, you are now brand new. Jesus is basically resurrecting humanity, saying, now you are a new creation. The old is gone And the new has come because why? I've given you my breath. I've given you my spirit. I think about this idea, though, the old is gone, new has come. It's it's honestly a a hard concept to, to, to grasp, I think, for my own life because something that was old becoming new, my old things, the junk that I consistently deal with, I can't imagine that becoming new. I, I, it's hard for me to understand that. This is why Nicodemus in John chapter 3 had a really difficult time when he found Jesus in, in the middle of the night. This is a religious leader who would have known the law, the Torah, by heart. He finds Jesus in the middle of the night, and he says, hey, what does it look like to be new, to, to, to experience eternity? I'm confused. And Jesus says, well, you have to be baptized by water and by spirit. You need to be made new by having a rebirth. And Nicodemus says, I don't understand. How do I go back to my mom's womb? And Jesus is like, oh, Nicodemus, no, 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 you need to be born again by the Spirit, by my breath. That's where life is. My son, when he turned seven, Parker, my oldest, he was really into Legos and still kind of is, but they're really expensive as you buy them every single week because what I say earlier, he wants new things. But he was seven years old. My wife and I, Amy, brought him to the Lego store and said, hey, Anything you want. That's a bad idea, but whatever. Anything you want. Go ahead and go for it. We're there for like 45 to an hour, and finally he settles on the Saturn V space shuttle, the one that eventually landed, not the space shuttle didn't land on the moon, but you know, it landed on the moon in this really cool uh, space shuttle, and I was kind of excited about it too because it had like 2,000 pieces, and it was like for 14 and up, so he's seven, so he's going to need my help. We get to do this thing together. So we get home, and we unpack the whole entire box, and then we open all the different bags, and and then the manual is basically like a book. It's not like a few pages. It's an entire book, and it took us about seven hours to complete this space shuttle on a span of about two days, and there was a morning, uh, the morning that we completed it. He was up at like five in the morning. He's putting all the little pieces together, and it was really exciting. It was super fun. Then we completed the space shuttle. Check this picture out. This is years ago. This is Parker and Beckham sneaking in the background. And he completed this entire thing, the, the, the Saturn V, almost 2,000 pieces. That thing was amazing. But here's the problem. He's a kid. So 
my, in my mind, I'm like, I know what's going to happen. It happens to every single Lego set. They all get shattered or broken. Friends come over, it falls off the shelf, or they try to play with it, and then it gets completely destroyed. I'm like, not this one. So in my head, I'm like, do we spray it with like a glue adhesive? Do, I don't even know what to do. Do I, do I hide it from him? No, it's his. He wants it. It comes apart in three different spots, and it's, it's, it, was, it was so cool. Until a few pieces fall off, and then friends kind of play with it. And then I try to, like, remember where the pieces are, and I gather them. I keep telling Parker, I say, hey, buddy, come on, man. You got to really take care of this thing. It's, it's valuable. He's seven. What does he care? He's like, dad, who, it's whatever. Let's move on to something different. And then we moved. So I had the, the, the pieces in three different spots. I, I remember I packed it really good. I did the best I could. Put it together, and then eventually the pieces kind of, like, fell off because that's what moving does. It shakes stuff up. And then I remember, like, finding what I think belonged to the Saturn V because he has other thousands of Legos somewhere else. So I'm thinking, I think this belongs and this belongs. I start gathering them up, and I put them in, like, these Ziploc, Ziploc baggies. And now I don't even know where it's at. It's in a box somewhere. I don't even know where the manual's at. But in my head, I'm like, honestly, I don't think I'll ever be able to get the Saturn V put together again. And I think in a lot of ways, that's how I think about my own life. I'm like, man, there's a lot of things I want to be made new, but I don't think it's ever going to be perfectly new again. And this is why Jesus coming to his disciples and saying, peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness be with you. I have breathed my life into you. I have breathed the spirit of God on the inside of you. Whether you feel new or not, the breath of God is in you. You are brand new. Not by because of all the things you've done. Not because of all the great things you've done well. But because he gave you his breath. And he said you're brand new. The old is gone. The new has come. This idea of breath, you know, there's doing a lot of crazy studies on this idea of breath. And it's so interesting because even being a person of faith, it's, it's, it's fun to watch how these scientists begin to talk about breath and how valuable it is to your life and to my life the importance of breathing, you know, breathing, how it it affects your brain, it affects your heart, it affects your digestive system, it affects your immune system. Just breathing does this. And, And it makes me think about this idea of breathing, how valuable it is to you and to me. And, you know, there's certain things we can't live without, right? I mean, like, we can live without water for a few days, but eventually we'll get dehydrated and then our body will begin to kind of shut down. We live without food for a while, right? That, that's been proven, but eventually you're going to need some food. What's the one thing that you and I can't live without? It's breath. The breath that God breathed into you and to me, the spirit that he gave you and me, we can't live without. You know, studies have shown that you and I, we take the average, takes about 20,000 breaths a day. 20,000 breaths a day. 20,000 reminders that he is with you. 20,000 reminders that he is close to you and near to you. So as you're breathing the spirit of God, as it's in you, it flows through you, you're reminded that God is with you. Whether you believe in him or not, you cannot deny the fact that we need breath every single day that we need to breathe every single day. It's the first thing we do 
in our life, and it's the last thing we do when we go. As if God is constantly with us, he's sustaining us day in and day out. You know, being in the Midwest, I, I love the fall season. I don't know about you, but the fall season is the greatest. It's the greatest because uh, other than when it rains and it's gross outside, but the beauty in the colors, the orange and the yellows and the greens and the reds. Every time Amy and I are driving our kids to school, we get to drive through this neighborhood and we're always fascinated by these beautiful red trees. It's the greatest. It's, fall is the absolute best. But if you've been in the Midwest long enough, you know what comes next. Winter. Now you might like snow and you might like winter and that's fine. I'm good with it. I love the new, the first snowfall. It's beautiful until you have to shovel it and you're walking in it and you're avoiding slush puddles all the time. You don't want to go out. All the beautiful colors of the fall turned into gray, dark. And I think for me, in a very similar way, I'm like, that's kind of sometimes how I feel. It doesn't feel like fall anymore. There's, there's this, it's kind of gray. I don't feel all that well. There's, there's a level of anxiety and depression that kind of can come over me from time to time. But, but if you've lived in the Midwest long enough, you know as well what comes after winter is spring. And what does spring represent? It represents new life. Something new is coming, new creation. So my encouragement to you and to me today as I think about this idea of breath and I think about this idea of spirit and breath, they're interchangeable words in the Greek and the Hebrew. It's the reminder that every single breath that you and I are taking in and out that we are brand new. Every morning we wake up, I'm brand new. New creation, new person, old is gone, new has come. Every time we breathe, this is the reminder that God's breath, his spirit is inside of you and it's inside of me. I was scrolling through my Instagram the other day. It was actually the day that my battery died. <laughs> I'm just sitting there and I said, hey, aim, it's fine, take your time. I'm just here, I'm not going anywhere because my car doesn't start. And I opened up my Instagram and I start scrolling through and it gave me this like suggestions. Instagram's found out how to basically rob you of your time, but it's fine. And I'm scrolling through and this suggestion comes up of this individual I don't even follow. And it's this picture, and they're gonna put it on the screen. It's this picture of lungs and then the word Yahweh. Y-H-W-H, some context Yahweh is the name in Exodus 3 that Moses finds God speaking to him through a burning bush. And Moses says, who do I tell him that sent you, that sent me? To, what's your name? And he says, I am the Lord, L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D in the English. But also it's I am that I am. In Hebrew, it's this word Yahweh. In, in, in ancient Hebrew scriptures and in, in theologians, they, they, they couldn't even like fully describe the name that they just basically put these four Letters together, Yahweh. Almost as if the name of God is breath. Yahweh. Then it has this description. You cannot be separate from God. Before you respond, take a breath. Our God is rooted in ancient definitions of the divine. All of humanity has wrestled with the holy mystery. The Hebrews themselves who struggled even with the mentioning of, 
uh, any name for this mystery, used the sound Yahweh to describe the I am who I am, Yahweh. The very name is our breathing. The very name of the holy originator is the ongoing breath of every living thing. Are you following? Yahweh, breath, new creation, living things. Every single moment there's a breath Yahweh is in it. Your life is sustained by elements you are not in control of. You do not make your heart pump. You do not make your lungs breathe. We don't think often about our breathing. We just kind of breathe. Your great mistake, our great mistake, my great mistake is to believe that I connect, that my connection to life is up to me. All that we must do is rest in the providence of the unconscious sustainability. You can't, you cannot be separate from God. Your very breath is evidence of this. Whether you believe in God or not, your first breath said God and your last breath will too. Receive the holy presence found in your own breathing. So friends, I'm simply trying to encourage us today with this idea of being reminded that he's there, he's with you, he's in you, he's, he's around you, he's as close as your next breath. Oh man, so when we feel broken and lost and we can't put all the pieces together, oh no, 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 you're there, you're there. You know, we're taught when, when you ever, if you've ever had an anxiety attack, when you feel overwhelmed, I've, I've, I've been in this spot where I literally feel like I'm being stabbed all over my body by pins and needles just and I feel cold and I feel hot and I feel cold if you've been there you know exactly what I'm saying and they teach you to do what find your breathing so everything aligns the way it's supposed to so God is reminding you of what shalom peace I'm with you completeness newness wholeness amen so every time May those 20,000 breaths that you and I breathe each and every day remind you that he's with you and that he's there. Let's stand and worship together and pray for you. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that we can be reminded that you're with us, that you're for us that even in our breath that you are there. Yahweh, you're there, you're close, you're with us. We love you, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together this morning. You've been listening to Trevor McDonald with the message, You Are Brand New, from the Redefining Ordinary series at Forest City Church. Thanks for listening.